can fly off into the sunset together. A rusty old American dream still running. A rusty old American dream. And a good Saturday morning to you. Uh, Denny Long here along with ASE certified technician Dan Burns from Lloyd's Automotive on beautiful Grand Avenue in St. Paul. It's CCO's Car Care Show. If you happen to have uh, trouble with your car, your truck, your van, you need to bring it in for some service at your favorite shop or your favorite dealer, and you want to know what could be ailing in this thing, uh, give Dan a call or send Dan a text. Same number applies to either 651-461-9226. And if you're a regular listener to the show, you know we have a limited amount of time. Dan will be here till about 745. So don't wait. By all means, give us a shout either by phone or by text. Good morning to you, Dan Burns. Good morning, Denny Long. I am looking at the uh, the weather, and I'm I'm hoping that this is going to be the last time this season until next winter. I can tell you that the wind chill now is 14 below. The air temp is a minus one, and our listeners have sent us a couple of things. Let's see, Rice Lake, Wisconsin, uh, you have a six below. Uh, folks in Montrose, Minnesota, have eight below. So let's let's leave it at that and. Tomorrow's another day. We're going to head in the right direction. So yeah, I'll, I'll be glad if that's the end of it. That'll be yeah, perfect. I think most of us will be. Uh, again, uh, don't wait. If you have a car care question, uh, call Dan or text Dan. You know, so much is in the news about uh, the cost of gasoline. I mean, we can't avoid it, and some people are really hurt by it. Many people are really hurt by it. Is there anything? we can do to alleviate this issue? In, in other words, how do we get better gas mileage with our vehicles? Well, I think I think there's actually quite a few things that can be done, Denny, that will both get us better gas mileage and uh, save us money at the pump. And uh, the first thing that comes to mind for me is, the, is our own driving habits. You know, if we uh, slow down a little bit, don't accelerate as quickly the way that we normally do uh don't drive a race car if we coast to a stoplight when we're uh you know uh, uh, take your foot off the gas long before you have to stop and let it let it coast and then use your cruise control um you know those are just driving habits things that you can do but when it comes to your your actual vehicle things that you can do is is maintenance type items that you've put off if you uh, are due for uh, an oil change for one thing that'll that'll certainly help if you have the right viscosity oil in your car and uh, synthetic oil if possible uh, change your air filters get your vehicle tuned up and then relating to like wheels and tires uh, one thing that makes a huge difference is if you have the air pressure set correctly uh, in your tires and also if your tires are worn out to replace your tires you'll be, you'll get better gas mileage um, make sure your alignment is is good because that creates less rolling resistance if your alignment is set perfectly you know now that the cold weather is going to be over hopefully starting tomorrow don't don't let your car warm up the way that you used to you don't need it to be up to full operating temperature before you take off some simple things that are free for all of us is if you're carrying a bunch of, of of stuff around in your trunk or in the back seat, remove all of that stuff. Uh, you know, weight is a big deal when it comes to 
the, our gas mileage. We, we, you know, the manufacturers do make a lot big effort to get rid of weight on a vehicle, and we can do the same thing by taking all of our junk out of there. If you have roof boxes or ski racks or things like that that you're not using, take all of that uh, stuff out. If you're thinking about buying a new car, uh, give some thought to, uh, you know, a, a, a good fuel-efficient car. And then one thing that we've talked about, Denny, is that, that will save you money if your vehicle does not require premium fuel, don't buy it. Uh, one thing that, that we've talked about, you know, there's there's no more energy in, in uh, premium fuel than there is in regular fuel. So if you don't need it, don't pay that extra money for it, and that'll save you some money at the pump. And then maybe the most simple thing is uh, don't drive if you have the option. You don't have to. Yeah, if you have the option, walk. Uh, yeah. Walk where you want to go. Or bike. Like or I bike. know you. Uh, don't drive if you have the option. You don't have to. Yeah, if you have the option, walk. Uh, yeah. Walk where you want to go. Or bike, like or I bike. know you do. Yeah, or, yeah. Or rent Or rent one of those little scooters you find all over town. <laughs> That's right. But be careful. Yeah. And we're going to grab a phone call. That's great advice. And uh, uh, on the, the opposite end, I was just looking at a text, Dan. Uh, gas prices, ugh. Wondering, Texter says, if I really need to use premium fuel in my 2021 Dodge Durango with the V8. Owner's manual says 89 octane or above, but it's getting very painful to fill up with a 25-gallon tank. Now, that's the opposite side of the coin there, because if your manual and your manufacturer says you got to use premium, what what happens if you don't? Well, it... You know, it, it, it's a pre-ignition, a knock, you know, that, that pinging that happens yeah. when you accelerate. And the vehicles are equipped to take care of some of that with, you know, the computer technology that we have. Um, but pretty much if the, if the manufacturer built it requiring premium, fu- premium fuel, I would recommend that you use premium fuel. Probably just because I'm a cheapskate, maybe I would start blending it a little bit, uh, maybe use a mid-grade. Or, or blend it myself, you know, put half a tank of premium and half a tank of regular in and uh, see if it doesn't perform fine on, that, or fine on that because, you know, the difference between regular and premium can be pretty significant. And I don't blame you for feeling the pain when you're feeling it up, feeling yeah. it up, especially if you drive a lot. All right, let's take a quick break, Dan. Uh, Dick, you're going to be next on the phone, and uh, we have some text messages, some folks who want to help out as well. This is CCO's Car Care Show. It's one below zero. We're going to get near, uh, oh, about 29 or so. That's today. But then on Sunday, tomorrow, sunshine comes back. We're going to get up to near 41. We could be in the 50s this coming week. Stay with us here on News Talk 830. This is WCCO. Hey, good morning. Welcome back to CCO's Car Care Show. Denny Long along with the ASE certified technician Dan Burns from Lloyd's Automotive in St. Paul. Where exactly on Grand Avenue are you guys located, Dan? Well, we are exactly at 982 Grand Avenue, Denny. You can find us on the web at lloydsautomotive.net, L-L-O-Y-D-S, lloydsautomotive.net. Or give a call as soon as this morning at 651-228-1300. One six. Very good. We'll get you that number before Dan leaves us, which is about 745 this morning. So if you have a car care question, by all means, call it in, text it in, 651-461-9226. We promised 
Dick would be first up here on the phone. Dick is calling in from Spicer this morning. Thanks for waiting, Dick. What's the uh, question for Dan? Good morning. I have a 2004 Chrysler Town & Country van with a 3.8, and the engine has a miss at idle. Now, the scan tool says it's number five miss. Put in new plugs and wires, compression test, vacuum is steady, and it runs good at highway speeds. Also, uh, changed coils. Yeah. Well, uh, you're on the right track. There's something missing uh, at idle. And uh, it could be something as simple as a vacuum leak that happens to be leaking into that uh, fifth cylinder. It could be a fuel delivery problem, maybe at idle. The uh, fuel injector's got a little bit of a problem. Um, you've done the secondary ignition part, which is, which is commonly a problem. And then a, a, another place that would need some attention, just because you have good compression doesn't mean that the valve is opening uh, wide enough or quickly enough to let fuel in at idle, so which would mean you'd have like a cam problem or something like that. But uh, there's still a whole bunch more things that can uh, cause a misfire, and I think you've done the obvious and the easy ones, and you know, kind of the maintenance ones. I, I'm not. I'm not thinking you've wasted your money doing what you've done it be done because I know Ford probably needs that stuff for maintenance anyway. But maybe now's the time that you're going to have to bring it in and get a professional diagnose, diagnosis on it and see exactly what's happening and uh, and why you have a misfire uh, going on at idle. Okay. Texter wants to know this, Dan, the 2004 S10, the shift lever, real hard to move in and out of gear. Is this a cable problem they want to know that has to be replaced? If so, it's a, is it a hard job? Well, it uh, can be a hard job. You know, the cable has to be routed uh, from the shifter to the transmission, and sometimes quite a bit of stuff has to be removed to accomplish that. First of all, I think it probably is the cable. That's the most common uh, problem with that. But but uh, what we would do at the shop would be disconnect the cable at the transmission and, and see if it's still difficult to move. If it's not, you know, moving 100% freely, then the cable is the problem. Um, and like I say, it, it can be kind of complicated to replace if you have to remove a bunch of stuff to get at it. Okay. Here is a uh, 2005 Crown Vic. Keeps losing transmission fluid, but no obvious leaks. No transmission fluid in the coolant. Where did, They're stumped. Where could it possibly be going? Well, um, I, I'm not sure where, where it could be going. Uh, Sometimes the leaks on a transmission, you know, the fluid is so clear that you don't exactly see it. And when the transmission fluid leaks is, is driving down the highway, and so the fluid gets blown, uh, you know, away on, on its, uh, um, after, after the leak. And so I think if I were you, I would take it in and, and now at this point and see if you can't get some professional help and, and see where it's going. You're on the right track. You check to see if it was getting into the coolant because that's certainly a, uh, they, you know, they come in contact with each other in the, in the radiator as the transmission fluid's getting cooled. Um, but if it's not there and you're not seeing drips on the floor, then it has to be going somewhere if you're losing fluid and, and maybe you need to get some professional help now. Yeah, good idea. Let's grab a phone call. Bob is calling uh, into the show this morning from Wilmer, Minnesota this morning. Uh, Bob, thank you. What's your question for Dan Burns? 
Good morning, Dan. Thanks for taking my call. I have a 2017 Toyota Camry with about 31,000 miles on. Uh, a couple years back, I brought the car in because on really cold mornings, when I would put the car in a drive, um, the transmission didn't seem to pull the car well. It would be bulky for a while. And I brought it in, and I was told that uh, they tested it. It worked okay. No codes were stored. No software update available. And they told me I need to idle the engine for a while when I start it cold so the transmission can fill the torque converter. Uh, I'm having that problem again, um, and I'm wondering uh, what you think about this. <laughs> well, uh, um, the part that I'm most comfortable with is that they checked it for codes and, and updates and didn't find any. If, if there's no cords stored in the transmission, then there's a good chance that there's not a significant problem because uh, if there was, those computers are pretty smart. They, they seem to find them, and they'll store a code. Um, and I just will tell you that on I have a Toyota uh, out in Colorado, and when it sets, sits at the airport for a long time, you know, a couple of weeks or more, uh, it takes way longer than I'm comfortable with for the transmission to go into gear. In other words, the the fluid, just exactly what they said, the fluid has to get pumped back up into the torque converter. And I found that that happens quickest if I put it in neutral, not leave it in park, but put it in neutral. And, uh, and it does indeed fill up, and it's been happening ever since I've owned the vehicle. And, and so I'm comfortable with it that there's nothing wrong. But uh, that's just one of the deals. The fluid does drain out of the torque converter, and I've heard that. Uh, I've seen uh, service, not not updates, but service bulletins on that to explain that process. And uh, so I think I'm comfortable with what they told you. Okay, very good. Then uh, let's take a break for that warm-up forecast. We'll do that, and we'll ba- be back with more of our car care show. 651-461-9226 is both our text and phone number. Here on News Talk 830, this is WCCO. Stay- and again, good morning. Good Saturday morning to you. Welcome back to CCO's Car Care Show. Denny Long here, along with ASC Certified Technician Dan Burns from Lloyd's Automotive in St. Paul. Dan will be with us for a few more minutes before Jack Farrell steps in here with his wine chat. Uh, Dan, we have a bunch of uh, text messages. Let's see uh, how many we can help, how many folks we can help before you have to take your leave. You're going to have to help me with this uh, text. Uh, VTEC solenoid gasket, they tell me, is leaking. And by the way, this is a 2011 Pilot, Honda Pilot. Is that a big job? And and do you think, have you heard, is it common? I guess they want to know. What is that anyway? Yeah, I'm not sure exactly what they're talking about. Maybe the solenoid that, um, I'm trying to think if it's the VTEC uh, solenoid, which um, is what controls the variable timing on the vehicle. And if that's oh, yes. leaking oil, that is not a, a big, I don't think, most most commonly it's not a big a repair job. Oftentimes, the solenoid is an external part that uh, is actually quite quickly and easily uh, replaced. Oh, so don't uh, not to fret. 
Great. Uh, all right. Uh, let's see. Here's one. Good morning. It says, do electric car batteries wear out, and how long before they do? Are they expensive to replace? Is the question. Uh, you know, the, the, if they're talking about an electric vehicle, then, yes, those batteries are a big deal, not unlike an engine in an internal combustion uh, vehicle. Uh, they are expensive to repair. They have found, though, that they do have a good long uh, life, which is good news. Um, and we've talked about this in the past, and they're making progress with, uh, you know, getting failed batteries and restoring them without completely replacing them. So I think as technology moves along, uh, it will be a good news for electric vehicle owners that the batteries can be serviced rather than replaced. But today, the answer to your question is yes, they're very expensive to replace. Dan, this listener is uh, curious if the air filters in a car are a common upsell in a car repair shop. I take mine, they said, to the dealer where I purchased the car, and at my 15,000-mile, they said I needed a new cabin filter, but I was in a hurry, so I said no. When I went in for my 20,000-mile checkup, they said none of the filters needed to be replaced. They could just take them out, knock the dust off, and their question is, is it safe for my car to have just the dust knocked off? And why would they tell me it needed to be replaced 5,000 miles ago? Your thoughts? Uh-huh. Well, it's a judgment call. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it would be like, uh, c- compare it to your furnace filter. Would you feel good about taking your furnace filter off and simply knocking the dust off? It? And I would not. Um, so I I think, you know, the uh, maybe the second service undersold you just a little bit. Uh, most of the time the filters are recommended on a maintenance schedule. And I think that's probably a pretty good idea to, to, to change them because, like, especially with the, air, the engine air filter and what we were talking about with gas mileage, uh, the microparticles that are plugging the air filter can't be, you know, shaken, shaked off the filter. And so I think it still can be plugged even though it doesn't look uh, as dirty as maybe you think it should. So I'm more aggressive when it comes to changing air filters on my own vehicle and on my customers' vehicles because I just think it's a good idea. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Uh, this texture says, Dan, yesterday my 2009 Chev 25HD uh, with a 6.0 engine came up with stable track warning light and engine powered down. I had earlier topped the tank with E88 gas, I always use E88, but read that using E85 could cause problems in uh, in a non-flex fuel engine. What should I do? Service light is still on. I haven't read the code to get drawn into the engine. Yeah, well, can... that, that's, yeah, that's the answer is to read the codes. The, you know, the traction control and all those lights come on when the check engine light comes on. So I wouldn't worry about those. But the check engine light, you need to get to figure out what it's about and... Uh, if it's fuel-related, there'll be codes stored for that. And so that's your next step is to have those codes read. Find out why the check engine light is on, and then you can head down that road. Okay. Uh, let's see. Here's a texture that has an old classic car. Will it hurt anything to start using synthetic oil in it after years of regular oil use? No, you should. You absolutely should do that. Yeah. and. You know, as we've talked, any with technology, uh, or conventional oil is not what it used to be. 
uh, most oils are at least a synthetic blend of some sort. And so, uh, you know, you're, you're trending towards it anyway. And uh, I've never found a reason not to use synthetic oil. I think it's the best. And uh, if, you know, I, if the vehicle's worth it to you, uh, feel good about using synthetic oil in it. One more, and then we got to go. Uh, Mike from Faribault says this, have a 2014 Ford C-Max. Lug nuts keep swelling. Can't get a socket on. Is there another size socket that will work for removal of the lug nut? There is. I actually, like if it's a 19-millimeter socket, the tool companies sell a 19-and-a-half-millimeter socket <laughs> and really? uh, just for that purpose. And when you replace the lug nuts, don't get lug nuts that have a chrome cap on them. Get lug nuts that are a solid chrome lug nut, and then you'll be solving your problem forever. It won't happen again. But those, the metal underneath those chrome caps starts to rust, and it makes the chrome cap swell, and that's oh, where you're having dog. trouble. Yep. Never heard that before. Interesting. Yeah. Thanks for the question. I, Thanks I, for the I answer, Dan. Yeah, I have it in my toolbox. So. Oh, you do? All <laughs> yeah. right. Well, excellent. Well, uh, how do we get in touch with, the, if we need to get in touch with Lloyd's Automotive, how do we do that? Well, come on over, Denny. We are at 982 Grand Avenue, which is right between Lexington and Victoria. You can find us on the web at lloydsautomotive.net, L-L-O-Y-D-S, lloydsautomotive.net, or give us a call, 651 228 Excellent. Let's talk again next week. It sounds good. All right. Dan Burns from Lloyd's Automotive. Stay tuned next. Jack Farrell's Wine Chat here on News Talk 830 